Hello and welcome to Free and Clear. I'm John Collins, the founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have Naomi Wright, the founder of naomiwrightministries.com. And we're asking the difficult questions people have about religious abuse, breaking them down into simple terms, and helping people to become free and clear. Naomi, we have gotten so much positive feedback from the first season of this show. I'm getting emails and people calling me and talking about the show, and it's just exciting to see how well people are responding to this. Yeah, John, it's been great. And I know, I mean, this was just kind of, I mean, this was a random thing that I got approached with by you. I know it's something that you had been simmering on for a while, (laughs) but we're like, okay, yeah, let's give it a try. Um, for everyone out there, I, we initially said, hey, let's record six episodes. Let's see how that goes. Um, we're about to head into a six-week break, but we're really hoping to come back for another season. So yeah, we're, we're excited to see that this is making some rounds. Um, John, I know it's been shared. People are sharing it around. Um, even among groups, people are sharing it around, which has been really great to hear. And we're excited to see where it goes. But yeah, do you want to talk a little bit more about where we're where we're heading in our next six weeks? Yeah. So this uh, it, it's amazing to me. I um, <laughs> you talked as though I had this big plan and strategy of releasing <laughs> this thing. This literally came to me while I was awake at two o'clock one night, and I was thinking, hey, you know, it might be a good idea if we did such and such. And I did sit on it for a while because I didn't really have anybody who I felt would be a good second half of this. I needed somebody who really understood people and the way they think and how, really how they need to heal. And when I met you during that first conversation that you and I had, it was just overwhelming. I could sense this is my person. <laughs> so, so this all just kind of came to be. And I'll be honest, I... I didn't expect, I, I thought we would go about one season, and I didn't expect that it would have the overwhelming good response that it has had. So there's so many directions that we could take this. Um, I've been really, I've, I've got a lot of good feedback about what we have done so far in the format that we're doing. So I think the same format would be good if we continue the questions and the answers format. But I'd like to expand this. You know, we're starting to get some feedback from people who are having topics they want to go through. I've actually been asked by a few people, could we interview on this on the show? I'm open to that. I don't yet know how that would work with our question-answer format, but it's possible. So there's a few different directions we could take it. I think we'll have to discuss offline. And to be honest, let's Ask the, ask the listeners, let them send in feedback of what they would like to see or see and hear. Yeah, absolutely. So anyone who's listening, again, um, when you hear this, this is dropping initially on Monday, December 6th, and then we're going to take a six-week break with a plan to then come back in week seven, you know, from the 6th. Sorry, I had to pause there on the date. So from the 6th, we'd be coming back seven weeks later. That's our plan. Um, Right now, we're thinking like a six-week-on, six-week-off series. Like that's how we would do our um, our different seasons. So 
This is open though. I mean, there's flex here. If if this grows and it's really helpful, it's, it's maybe we're not taking a six week break anymore. You know, maybe we look at that differently. But for this first break that we're taking, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love to get some reviews on the podcast. So because that helps in the algorithm for it to be showing up for new listeners, we'd love for the information to be getting shared. And of course, we'd love to hear from you on um, anything you'd like to see in the future. So during the six week break, we are going to be prepping, planning, and starting to do some of the recordings for season two. And from my side, you know me, I can't sit still, so I'm still going to be doing something to help people. Right before we started this, and when I had nearly given up on finding you, I had started a podcast that I called Leaving the Message, and it was very short, sweet, to the point. It wasn't the length that you and I go. You know, they were probably... I don't know, 10 minutes or so segments, but I was trying to put one of those out every week until we started this. I think what I'm going to do personally is in the gaps that we have between what you and I are doing, I'll flip over back to that and start, you know, doing those podcasts. So if listeners need help and they're still wanting more information, it might be a good way to get information to them. And if there are topics that... I personally am not able to answer. Maybe I could contact you and you could give me feedback and I could present in that format. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also for people who are out there, the NWM podcast, it's a little bit, it is different. It's not only a different format than what John and I are doing, but I would say the topics are, they're more broad, I would say. Um, And sometimes we get more, I think social worky is the term I would use, which isn't an actual word, but some of you out there might get that. Um, For example, we just released an episode on triggers. So what is a trigger and what are some tips to help yourself? So that's an example of what I mean by social worky. So we go from that to we had an episode on um, the denominations of Christianity. What's the deal with those? Should I be afraid of them? Mm -hmm. Are they bad? What is it? How do I navigate that? Um, So we have quite a range. That is continuing. We release those biweekly. And that's part of the break John and I are taking is because I want to stockpile some of these other episodes, mm-hmm. you know, so that then I can focus back here with John. So we both have, you know, various projects going on. This one is really important to us. So we love it. We enjoy doing it. Um, we love connecting with you when you reach, reach out to us and, and let us know what you're thinking. So. Yes, follow along with John and what he's got going on. You can follow along with Reclamation Podcast. So if you are a, a podcast or video person, even though you won't see new episodes of this for six weeks, it doesn't mean that there's another content you can be accessing. Right. And I tend to get historically on my podcasts and my shows. So if you're if you're a historically person, then you can come to me. And if you're a, what did you say, socially or... Um, <laughs> You're a touchy-feely person. Touchy-feely person. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, so let's get into it. This one is, and you had to throw a difficult one at me on the last one of the season. This one is not (gasps) one of the easier ones for me, but I'm going to try to get through it, and um, we'll hopefully get some information that can help people in this situation. The topic is leaving the group. Is there a good time or is there a right time to leave the group? And this one personally is hard for me because, to be honest, the the emotions that you feel whenever you leave the group, I've 
I personally will say this, and I know many people that I'm working with that will tell you that it was quite frankly the most difficult thing that they have ever endured in their entire lives. And I know people who have been in the military and been in the wars, and they will tell you that leaving the cult was the most difficult thing that they ever went through in their entire life. So the first question, I've been reading some information about the religious group that my parents raised me in, and I've decided that it is a cult. I want to get out now, but if I do, I'm worried that my family won't respond kindly. They're deeply involved. How would you advise me to break free? So I want to start with a disclaimer that for any of these questions, without being able to talk to you, the listener, that this might apply to directly and to ask you a bunch of follow-up questions and be able to walk you through this in a real relationship, um, all of these answers should be taken with a whole bottle of salt, not just a grain of it. I mean, this is a really personalized question to you, um, and I don't take that lightly. So I just wanted to start there. I think one of the main points I want to make is that you can only do so much. You can only say things so well, so perfectly, so strategically and lovingly and truthfully, and ultimately, at the end of the day, you have power over your choices and you do not have power over the choices of others. And as awful as that truth is, because it means that you can't, you can't make other people understand, you can't make them see what you see, and you can't make them stay a part of your life anyway, it is true. And there is some freedom in that because it's also not your responsibility to be able to make everyone else figure it out. Right. I would recommend as you navigate this, one, that you weigh your risks. I think that's important. And I am never going to say that someone should not leave a cult. I think everyone should leave a cult. I don't think cults should exist anymore. I think it's incredibly important when you're taking on exiting a cult that you do weigh the risks and you know your why. So what I mean by that is you know the reason you're leaving and you know the risk that may come with you leaving. And the reason this is so important is because if it all hits the fan and it gets really bad and really hard, you're going to need to know that to help you get through it. You're going to need to remind yourself of why you're doing this and that you knew the risks were there and that your freedom in living in truth, whatever that may look like for you, your freedom in that is going to be worth it. And so I think it's really important that you know that, that you feel that way and that you even write it down somewhere safe so you can look back and read it. So right. those would be my first comments. John, do you want to jump in there before I move on to my next part? Yeah. So when people ask me this question <clears throat> in the support groups that I'm working with, my answer is always, without fail, my intro to the, to the way in which you leave is this, as peacefully as possible. No two people will leave in the same way. Every single person who leaves can leave as peaceably as possible. So it's, it's really the only way that applies to everyone. But then you have to go deeper than this because for every person it's difficult. Some people, when they break free, they're going to lose everything. Everyone that they had, everyone that they knew, 
they will be cut off, and there is no question that they will be hurt. Other people, they live in families that actually have more family ties than just the cult. The family itself is stronger than the cult is in the family, if that makes sense. And so when they leave, they still have connections to their family. So for these two different people I've just described, it's totally different, but both people can leave peacefully. The other thing that I say is to be prepared, because you can't account for everything that's going to happen to you. But if you prepare and you mentally prepare, whatever comes at you is going to become easier. You can't be prepared to have a response for everything because you don't know what is coming. But if you mentally prepare and work out in your mind scenarios, if I leave, I know this person is going to cut me off. Or if I leave this other person, I know that they're going to try to do character assassination. There are so many common things among what happens to people leaving that you can plan for it happening. And you know it's going to happen and you can be mentally prepared And if you're mentally prepared, you can respond peacefully. Those who don't prepare, they get agitated, and things become much worse than had they been prepared. And in some some scenarios, the people who experience this have such emotional trauma that they actually add to the situation, making, making it worse than it could have been if they had been prepared. Yes. And John, I want to add preparedness in another way. So... This isn't ironclad, gender-specific, but oftentimes our ladies out there, if they want to exit, they have not been set up in such a way to walk away and maintain a job because maybe they've never had one, Um, walk away and go start college because maybe they have to get a GED first. So have an idea of an exit plan of what's going to happen if it does go worst case scenario on you and you find yourself getting kicked out of your home. Do you have an idea of where you're going to go? Do you have an idea of who you're going to call? Do you have a photo ID? Do you know where your social security card is? Do you you know where your uh, birth certificate is? Are these forms of identification that you can already have gotten in a backpack to take with you? Um, And again, I'm not trying to over-dramatize. This is the reality. And many of you are listening. It's probably like, yeah, you know, maybe it would have been helpful that I had some of those things on Mm -hmm. me because then you're not totally starting from scratch. So I'd have an exit planning in place. And then when you go to ultimately share, um, again, whatever that conversation is going to look like, I agree with John. Um, I... I, I state it as, you know, sharing your stance firmly, but lovingly mm-hmm. and remembering that whomever you're speaking with, just like you couldn't see it before, two weeks ago, six months ago, whenever it was, they can't see it yet. And, and it really may be yet because maybe down the road, you're going to get a call from them, but they can't see it yet. So remember your empathy, your kindness, remember your own grace in this process, Um, And also remember that they're likely going to be very concerned as well for your salvation. If these are people who truly believe, you know, what Mm -hmm. the faith system is, they're going to have real genuine panic and concern for you. So try to remember that. Remember how you would have felt um, prior to you being aware of what was going on um, and maintain that hope that reconciliation may happen down the road. But I would absolutely 1000% and John, I think you'll back me up on this still do what you need to do and get out. Right. Absolutely. Next question. 
I realized at an early age that the religious leader of our church is mentally unstable. It is a cult. I'm not yet 18, though, and my parents forced me to continue going to church and listening. How can I escape? This is a tricky one because we do have a numbers game at play here. Depending on the, the state, the exact age varies a little bit legally on how old you can be to leave. Um, now, you're, if you decided to say, I'm just going to leave, I'm leaving my house, um, I'm going to move in with friends or I'm going to go get a, a job and get an apartment, whatever that looks like, I'm going to go off on my own. My own husband got his own place at 16. It certainly can be done. Um But depending, your family would have a legal right to have you brought back if they wanted the police to find you and bring you back. So there's there's some legalities here at play that can get a little tricky. Um, So I just would want you to be aware of that. And I also want to throw out there that running away does have significant risks and concerns in and of itself. So. Um, I'd want to make sure that you're not putting yourself at other kinds of risks, like risks of homelessness, um, risks of uh, being labor or sex trafficked, like those sorts of things, risks of falling in with, you know, drug issues and, and things like that. So I would say to keep those things in mind, if your situation is dangerous to you, um, and I would say mentally being in a cult, no matter what, there's, it's... Even if you're onto it, it's at least exhausting, if not dangerous. It's wearing. Um, But if it's also physically dangerous and you have other sorts of abuse going on, then you could make a call about that. You know, there there are police officers. There is Child Protective Services. Um, You can call 211 and request info on local safe houses for teenagers. So there are are places that you can go. I would just want to say that depending, there's a chance you could wind up then in the foster care system, which also may not be what you want. So again, this is something where I would say, call me (laughs) um, and let's (laughs) look at your state and let's talk it through. But in general, I'm just trying to give you some ideas of if you're able to get out on your own. um, John, I'm curious your thoughts on this. My experience with especially the uh, primary cult groups that we're speaking to you and I right now, I'd be really surprised if they took legal action to bring the child back. I just, I haven't seen that where they want to get the police involved and they want to draw attention. So I would say there's a good chance that this teenager may have a shot at going off on his or her own and getting an apartment and making it and that that would not come into play. What do you think? I think you'd be surprised. Um, Hmm. It it varies quite a bit. When I first started the support groups, I was desperately of need and support myself, but nothing really existed. So my work in helping others was, you know, primarily to help myself and help them. We kind of helped as a group, we helped each other. And the first time this exact question came up, this has came up many, many times for me, not just one. The first time this question came up, I actually had no way to answer it. I did not know what to say. What do you say to this, right? And I'm in a weird position because I have family members that I'm very close to who were kicked out of this, kicked out onto the street at age 16 or before by respected leaders in the cult that I escaped. And they were, they were without a home, they were destitute, they barely survived. And 
you know, quite frankly, they could have died. They actually could have been killed on the streets. And these leaders would have felt glorified that they died, you know, turning them over to Satan or whatever nonsense they did. I also know other people who did try to escape and legal action was taken to bring them back. I know other families who were one one person in particular they did escape their family caught them and basically they were in this weird state that was you you can almost describe it like a prison they were living in a car next to the house they weren't allowed to go anywhere and they were they became worse off than before they left so whenever this question comes up now now that I've had some time to think through how best to respond to this, my answer is always, unless there is some form of physical danger that you are in, and that danger could be anywhere from abuse or just simply at being at risk, unless there's something that is physically making you feel like you're in danger, your best option, in my opinion, is to try to remain with the family you may not have to believe like them. You may not have to act like them. You may be in a cult that is destructive. And if you're thinking along the terms of like, you think of cults and you think of Jonestown. It was a tragic massacre. So many people died. Keep in mind that it took several years of progression to get to that level. So because you have some cult leader or some pastor who's saying disturbing things and is mentally unstable, it doesn't mean that everybody is going to die next week. You're going to see a transition towards that pathway. You, having awakened, are more aware of the direction things are heading than everyone else in the church. So even if you're at a young age, you're going to see this progression and you'll know when there's physical danger. And like Naomi said, you contact authorities, you get the proper help. What I tell people now in this position is that you have to instead picture yourself like you're in a prisoner of war camp. You know this camp is not where you belong. You know that there's no good way out of it. And you know that if you do try to escape, there's a big, severe chance that there's going to be very negative consequences that are beyond your control live it out and live look for the right moment to escape it might be when you're 18 or the conversation might come up hey i'd like to go live with one of my friends as a roommate you'll know when that time comes but carefully plan it and think it through don't just immediately leave on a whim the second note i had down for myself with this question um Spe speaks exactly to that, John. So yeah, I think we're on the on the same page. I had written, how do I make it until 18 without losing my mind? <laughs> Was how mm. I had written it down. Right. Because, right. and that is what I, that's what I lean toward. And again, I mean, each situation has its own nuances. So if you're in a situation where there is abuse going on, there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, anything like that going on, and you're thinking, oh, they're telling me to stay. We're not. Um, again, there's there's specifics that would have to come into play here um, to your story. In general, if it's, I have to go to this six-hour church service every Sunday, and I got to go back on Wednesday, and I've got to this and that, and I know this is all garbage, and um, they're yelling, and they're saying awful things, and um, this is just really an awful environment to be in. 
again, I agree with John and kind of those concerns I mentioned about what is might be out there waiting for you. It may not be better. Um, mm-hmm. You having a, a bed to sleep in and, and warm water and, and some some other forms of safety, those basic um, essentials for life that those could be in jeopardy if you leave. So what access do you have outside of the cult? You know, do you have a phone? Do you have internet? Do you have television? Um, what brings you joy that you can lean into? Um, those sorts of things, you know, just to kind of keep you going. And then are there ways that you can be prepping for your exit once you turn 18? So are there ways you can position yourself to be ready for that transition? Um, can you have your driver's license? Can you have your IDs? Can you know where your cards are? Can you can you have a job? Um, can you finish school if that's an option for you? Things like that. Knowing at 18, I want to be able to make it on my own. So see if you can use your current situation to help ready you for that. Right. Next question. My wife and I are planning on leaving our church. The pastor is starting to say some very disturbing things, especially about others who are leaving the church. We worry that some of those things will be said about us and that many of our friends will take the pastor's word over ours. What is the best way to leave without causing a scene? So you could go forewarn your friends that you're leaving, um, giving them real reasons before you tell your church leadership. But the risk there, of course, is that they may tell leadership first. Um, and I'd say depending on how, even if you're close, there's a really good chance that that could happen. They could be really concerned about the direction you're heading and want leadership to come in and talk with you. Um, they might not even see it as turning on you. They may see it as helping you. So there's certainly a risk there that I would caution you to weigh out. Whatever you choose to say, I would state that you don't have to share everything. Um, sometimes people feel like, oh, I got asked a question, so I have to answer it. You don't. You get to choose how much you're going to share and how much you don't. And I think that's really important in trying to leave peacefully and without causing a scene. Um, if you don't want to cause a scene and you want to leave peacefully, you're probably not going to say everything that you know and have experienced and share all of your emotions about it all. Um, that's more likely going to cause a blowout. Um, I'm not necessarily against that, by the way, but I'm just saying if you want it to be peaceful, it might not serve you. Again, ultimately, it's going to come down to power again, that people are going to choose their own side. They're going to decide if they're going to side with you or if they're going to side with the other side or as in leadership, or if they're going to kind of walk the middle and be like, well, I love you, but I don't agree with you. We see that sometimes where there's still a form of relationship. It's just, there's a wedge there now, so to speak. Um, And you can tell the truth. You can do so kindly, again, lovingly, but with firmness about where you stand so people know you're not going to be drugged back into it. But in most cases, um, at least some relationships are going to be lost. And again, I think it's important to understand the real risk of that before you move forward so that you're not caught off guard and you you go into it with an an understanding and an awareness of, of what might come for you. When we lived out west, there was this big rock that I remember, massive rock. It was taller than me, probably taller than my dad. And I I was too young to read street signs. I just remember this rock. But when you're driving down the road and you take the turn at the rock, it, you knew where you were going because there's this massive rock there. And no matter what happened, I think a, I think a windstorm, a standstorm, probably... A monsoon, a hurricane could come through there, and this rock is still going to be there. And 
the way that I answer this question is the rock. You know, these there are people that are going to talk bad about you, but if you remain firm in what you stand for, what you believe, but more than that, who you are, no matter what they say about you, no matter how how long they're against you, if you remain that same person that you were before you left, after you've left, you can weather any storm. There's no way that they can convince people continually that there's something significantly wrong with you if you are the rock. You have to be firm. You have to be the person who is, who is you know, they can count on to be this good person that you are. Now, if you're a bad person, don't be the rock. Change to <laughs> have, have, have some, you know, a little bit of self-examination. But the majority of cases that I've talked to where people are in this situation, these are genuinely good people. And they're all rocks, in, in my opinion. They're now helping other people with, you know, helping form their escape and helping them to be miniature rocks themselves. So my opinion is be firm, expect that it's going to happen. People are going to create a scene. People are going to talk bad about you because character assassination is the one way in which a cult makes others remain inside when a person leaves. It's a natural response for a cult to initiate character assassination for somebody who leaves. If not, it were not it would not be a cult. So expect that it's going to happen. Be the rock unless you're the person who needs to change into the rock. <laughs> and uh, you know, just be firm. I've heard so many different been a part of so many different conversations with people who are wanting to make their exit in any of these scenarios and I know we haven't even gone through them all yet but in these different scenarios people are wanting to exit and they're so hopeful that it will go differently than what they just feel in their gut Mm -hmm. it's going to be and something that's just been really weighing on me lately is it is ultimately going to be what it's going to be. Like you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to say this is a false teacher or a false prophet, or this is a cult. Um, These are lies. All, you know, all of this is untrue. You can't say any of those things and have them not mean what you say. And the meaning of what you're saying is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And people are going to feel that. There, there will likely be some shock involved um, and that's going to cause, that's going to elicit really strong emotions. There's, I, I respect people wanting to do some prep and try to have conversations in hopes of their loved ones coming along. And I support that. I, I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's good to try to initiate some of those conversations and maybe even get a feel for it yourself of, oh, how is this potentially going to go? Because sometimes we do get those really amazing stories of, I have a friend myself, she went and told her husband, was terrified to even use the word cult. She just said, I read all of this. Here, you read it. Let mm-hmm. me know what you think. That's mm-hmm. all she said. And he came back and he said, it's a cult. And she said, oh, thank God. You think so too. <laughs> and they got yeah. out. She had yeah. been raised in it for 30 years. He had been in it for like 10. Um, and so those stories do happen. But there is a degree that we go to sometimes where we are then, and hear me out, you guys, this is going to sound bad. 
we're almost now the one who's trying to manipulate the situation. Right. And we don't want to take it that far. Right. And there is a risk for that of I'm trying to be so covert with this, so like under the radar and try to, that really now you're almost trying to control and puppeteer the other person. And you're wanting to do it for good versus for bad, like the cult leader. But it's still this attempt to manipulate the person's free will. At the end of the day, you are going to need to choose if you're going to say what you're going to say or not. And it's going to be what it's going to be. And there's definitely, like I said, there's there's hope for it to go well. There's hope for it to get better down the road. Um, I agree with John, become that rock, you know, who's just solid and and learns more and more so you can continue to back up your new beliefs and your new stance um, when you engage with people. Um, but at some point, the hammer's going to drop. And there's right. just nothing you can do to avoid that other than choose to stay silent and stay in your group. Yeah, and this you brought a thought that I've been wanting to formulate into some sort of a blog post or article, and I think I'm going to drop it right here. People like you and I actually make it more difficult in some ways for people who are leaving, who are filled with pride, because people like you and I are very outspoken. We're getting the information out there. We have a very, very public presence. And what we're doing is getting a form of information that is easily accessible for people to study, to learn, to grow, to heal, etc. But it's not intended to be used in the same context when you're leaving. When you're leaving, someone who is an extremely prideful person wants to leave with a I left because I'm right attitude. And that will never work. Because if there is this component of brainwashing, which it seems to be prevalent in most cases, you can't win an argument by actually winning the argument. You, you're winning the argument is planting the seed that will eventually grow and help them to wake up so that they can understand what is the argument. If they don't understand what the argument is, they can't really break free. So... I, I do have concerns about the way in which I engage people. I try to be very careful to tell people that whenever you do make the decision or if you do engage someone, you don't engage with the attitude that you're right because that will never, ever work. Yes, and the other thing that I've been thinking about is maintain your integrity through the process as well. So make sure that you're being honest, make sure that you're not being unnecessarily, like I said, sneaky or under the radar. Or now there's times if you're in an abusive, scary situation, there are times where women need to leave in the dark of night and that's what they have to do. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, again, kind of almost getting manipulative and coercive yourself in your effort to have this go the way you want it to go. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be effective. You're not going to walk away feeling good about how it went down. And no one ever likes that feeling when and if they realize that they've been manipulated. So again, think about also maintaining your own integrity and how you handle it. Right. Next question. We raised our children in a cult. My husband and I were not aware that it was a cult until recently. And unfortunately, our family has become fully programmed to believe every doctrine. Now that we have awakened, we struggle to sit through some of the sermons, but we're continuing to do so for our children. What is the best time to leave, and how can we leave in such a way that will help our children escape with us? 
First of all, whomever this applies to, my heart goes out to you in this scenario as a parent I know I'm not doing everything right and I can only imagine in the future when I see how that played out and can look back and say, gosh, I wish I did that differently for him and I wish I did this differently for him and just the the feelings that must go along with that. So I just wanted to start there of I have so much empathy for you and I know that we as parents, we really are trying and, and we think we're, we think we're doing it right, right? Or we're, we're mm-hmm. at least giving it our best. And so I, I hope that you have grace for yourself in that. Um, I commend you for the steps you're taking now and your, your love and care for your children in trying to, you know, have them see the truth as well and step out with you. I would, I would say that Aside from, you know, maybe not when grandma is actively dying, as an example, but aside from something like that, where there's a a real family tragedy going on or family crisis going on, um, there probably is no best time. It's going to be more about getting up your nerve, excuse me, and accepting uh, the potential fallout that could happen. And I would say, be honest with your kids. Use that humility that John just talked about in our, our first, our previous question and approach them with humility. Apologize for the mistakes made. They were unintentional. You had their best interest at heart. You were deceived and misguided. Um, remember that they really believe all this too, most likely. So too much information at once can be overwhelming. That could cause them to shut down or even feel like they need to cut off communication with you for the time being while they they get their heads straight. Even if that does happen, be gentle, be patient, answer their questions, and understand that it may take time for them to come around. So continue to be there for them and take any small opportunities you can to plant seeds and let them know that you're present and that you love them and that you're available. Right. I've had this type of question come up a few times and different responses from different parents result in different scenarios. One person decided to stay in the group, not believing any of it, but very carefully not creating a scene and trying to gently nudge their children in the right direction. And what they found, as you and I both know, it's very difficult to nudge somebody who has been programmed a certain way. You have to peel back the onion and get down to the genuine person underneath all of this indoctrination. And it's extremely difficult and time-consuming. And I've seen some people attempt that successfully. They were able to, they were the rock, but they were the rock inside the church. And they were able to do it. But it took a long, long time. I have also seen other people try to do the same thing and not to make any way light of their situation or even say that they're not the rock. But emotionally, they weren't really prepared for enduring that. And what happened to them was the longer they stayed in, the worse it got, the more irritable they got. And it started creating its own complex set of problems. So... It really didn't work out so well for them in the same exact scenario as the first person I was talking about. I'm also working with people who, once they found out, there's no way that they could have sat through another service, and they knew it. They left immediately. Their children were in it. They were heartbroken because the children were so deep in it that they 
basically got cut off. I actually just sat down with a person, it might have been two weeks ago, who was in this scenario and their children are now breaking free. So it it does have happy endings. It doesn't always have happy, have happy endings. So every person is different. Every scenario is different. But it still goes back to what I said previously. You don't win an argument by winning the argument whenever there's cult programming. You have to plant the seed. You have to plant it gently. Watch it grow. Find out. Um, you have to appeal to their genuine person inside, and you have to find out the ways in which you can connect with the person who is the real, genuine, authentic self, not the cult program. Appeal to that person and try to bring them to the surface. Oh, John, I wanted to start clapping when you said that, but I figured that would be obnoxious to <laughs> listeners to hear clapping, but that is such an amazing story. I got very excited um, and yeah. teared up a little bit when you said that. Uh, that is best case scenario, right? So right. for those who are listening, that can happen. We don't want to be doom and gloom over here ourselves. We just, we want to give you, hey, this could be worst case scenario, so be ready for it. But yes, things can go really well. And even if they don't at first, they can turn around down, down the road too, especially right. if, if, you know, if you're not cutting off those bridges yourself as you exit. Let them burn the bridges, not you, because then they can decide to to rebuild it. Um Right. on their end if they choose to uh, you haven't done it okay next question my spouse and I are involved in a religious cult I no longer believe and I'm still attending services very soon I'm planning on telling him about that I don't think that I can sit through another service is there a right way or a right time for me to break this news to my husband this brings to mind something I've been thinking throughout this whole conversation so far, and that is everyone has a breaking point. <clears throat> and so, and I've said this to people, you know, you can have your plan on what you want to do and your timeline for it and your your prepping and your reading and your planting seeds and all of this this good stuff that you might be doing. You might hit a point, though, where you just can't anymore. Hmm. And that's okay. And you have to make sure that you are taking care of yourself in this situation. So if you're like, I just can't anymore, well, then today's the day that you're telling people. <laughs> That's your answer. Now right. you know. Right. Um, and so, and again, remember that if you're like, I'm going to explode, then it's just time. So for this specific question, though, if your religious cult is patriarchal, which most of them are, then this is a particularly challenging position to be in. Because you're more likely to have your voice limited or silenced. Um, you may, you're likely at a higher risk of losing your household. Um, not always, of course. I know women personally who have left and their husbands heard them out. They left with them again. So there's hope for, for that. Um, but similarly to previous answers, I would say weigh your risks. Know your why. Know why you're doing this. Remember that the, the spouse is likely to truly believe the cult doctrine and may not see it all right away. So try to be patient and have compassion in that. If you are in an abusive household, though, you need to get out. If you were being abused, I would encourage you to get out in the safest way possible. So that may, that may still mean that you don't get out that very same day because, again, you, you want to have somewhere to go. But I would say take that into consideration with your timeline. I know women who, who are getting beaten 
you know, don't stay. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're in that kind of situation, are there friends or family outside of the group you can call? Even if they're extended family you haven't talked to in a while, if you call and say, I'm in a cold, I'm trying to get out, it's very likely they're like, oh, good, they finally realize it. You know, they might be be able to step in and help you. Um, I always say 211 because 211 will connect you with local services. That's what's so great about um, the work that they do. So they'll help you know where you can go locally. Um, you can always, of course, you know, John and myself, you know, we answer questions as much as we're able, we're as available as possible, so you can reach out as well. Um, but in general, get that ex, you know, that exit plan in place externally and internally for all of these questions. Do you know that you do you know that you know that your group is wrong? <laughs> Which sounds like a weird question, (laughs) but do you know that you know? Because you're going to get a lot of pushback. So know that you know that because they're going to challenge you in it and try to convince you that you're wrong, that you're the crazy one. Have you weighed the risks and the potential losses? Are you okay with them at the end of the day? Is this worth it to you? And is the worst case scenario worth it to you? And are you ready? The anxiety won't go away. But you will hit this moment, like I said, where you just have to, you just can't stay any longer. And so you're still going to be anxious and nervous and have all these emotions where you're going to be like, I just need to rip the Band-Aid off and do it. Right. I know a few people who are in this situation who are both male or female. The interesting ones that I've dealt with in the past were women who whose husband were recognized leaders in this cult. And more than one has contacted me and you know, ask the same question, how do I do this? My husband is this famous guy, right? One of them actually broke it to the husband, and he knows that she's not a believer, and she still, still attends services. Another one kept it inside, and interestingly, the husband, she she started coming to the conclusion that it was wrong what he was teaching probably a few months before him, and then he just started noticing a change in her. I don't think she even brought it up to him, but he just started soul searching, I guess, and he suddenly came out of it, so he's no longer in it. When my wife and I were were in this situation, it was the reverse. I was the one who was looking, and she had no intentions of leaving whatsoever. And I was thinking, how do I break this to her? And what I've learned and come to understand in this scenario is that the greatest fear is the unknown, because eventually you're going to have to break it to them anyway. And the longer you wait, the more worried you are about how this is all going to play out. And you start running through all of these scenarios in your head of worst case scenario, if I tell them this is going to happen or this other thing's going to happen, when none of it may even happen. While I was going through this, I was studying everything deeply like I do. And I was compiling notes of the things that our cult leader was doing that was just insane. And I didn't even realize it, but we live in a bi-level, so there's stairs that go up right behind where my chair is. And she, she, she'll probably kill me for telling this on the, on the show, but I'll tell it anyway. She's coming up the stairs, and she's peeking over my shoulder at what I'm typing on, on the computer. And all of a sudden, she just exclaims, oh my gosh, he's lying. <laughs> and, and that was her awakening. She started getting deeper into researching herself, and she came out of it. So it didn't play out at all like I thought it was. And 
all of the worst case scenarios that I had in my head never included her staring over my shoulder and, and waking up. <laughs> no, definitely not. And so, yeah, John, I think my conclusion on this conversation is that people can, they can ready themselves with their exit plan, their, where they're going to go, what that's going to look like. Um, ready themselves as best they're able for the conversation, but they're, you, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot to ready others for the bomb that you're about to drop on them when you say right. that you're leaving and what you believe. So I would encourage people let go of the outcome as much as possible because you really don't have control over that and focus more on yourself and how you're going to handle it moving forward. What are your next steps? Right. Well, Naomi, this has been a great season first season of the show and I want to tell you that from our first conversation when I sensed that you were the one that was the the exact person that I was looking for I never dreamed that it would be this good I've I've went back and listened to these shows myself and it's amazing the things that you've said they're very insightful and the feedback that I'm getting confirms this is just this is amazing so all of our listeners out there, we're going to be doing another season. And if there are things that you'd like for us to discuss on the show next season, any question you have or any topic you'd like to, for us to cover, please send it to us. You can contact us on freeandclearshow.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We want you to become free and clear. Mm -hmm.